In this week's SME Corner, we speak to Anthony Bila of The Expressionist, a company specializing in trends, styling and photography. Anthony, take us through your business journey. Well, I mean, I think it all began really when I started working in advertising almost nine years ago now, which, which actually feels quite surreal. But that kind of gave me the building blocks of understanding what products are, how to market them. And above all else, I mean, I learned this in radio because uh, I did work in that industry for a while as well, but it's always to know your audience. So the journey of, of everything that I've done is beyond being a business, it's human understanding and how to communicate with people and sell them something that they might not even know they need. Now, what do you offer as the expressionist? What falls under the company's belt? Well, the interesting thing is that, especially in the last year and a half, there's been uh, an expansion strategy. So the expressionist is is kind of a, a personal project of mine that's become a business where I started out doing photography and content production as a hobby, you know, video, uh, footage, painting, etc. And I realized that there's a market for this, especially because the black voice in the advertising industry is, is almost non-existent or it's very silent or small. And um, I decided to form something called the Unculture Club with two partners of mine. And from that, we create content for video, uh, social media, TV, radio, writing, etc., photography and we use that as the component where we produce content so that's the production house and it's housed under the expressionist where we also do content strategy so if a, a company comes and says you want to sell soft drinks to people from the ages of 18 to 26 we'll go and do the research we'll go to places other than just Bramfontein and um, Maboning we'll mm. go to Soweto we'll go to Tembisa and understand the lay of the actual land and not just these niche markets that people think to seem or think to to feel like it's the buzz place to be. Yeah. And then from there, we, we create the content based on an understanding of people. Again, knowing your audience before you start anything else. Yeah. How has the market received you in that aspect? Well, I mean, I remember reading a quote when I, when I was about 14, 15 from Henry Ford. And he said, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse. So it's it's preemptive strikes uh, and it's something I learned playing chess as a child as well is that you need to think a few moves ahead of what you're seeing at the moment so um, when I started blogging about five years ago things like Tumblr and, and Blogger which are uh, blogger templates and websites were not very popular in the country Instagram mm-hmm. was still very small in itself and I saw an opportunity there because whenever I'd search content working in advertising and we were doing a campaign for um, the black consumer we couldn't find images, something as simple as images of black people laughing, black people drinking whiskey or black people playing in a park. Mm. And I realized that there's a lack of content there. And I started the photography as a hobby at first, but it was with that notion in mind. So I think it's always looking at the lay of the land, but thinking strategically um, further than just being a creative person who creates creative content. It's what will people need and where are their gaps in the market? And like I said, even now, the market is quite saturated with black creators, but we still lack opportunities with big business um, where they'll co-opt or take elements of what we're doing, but never actually consult with uh, young black people. Mm. It's kind of, oh, the cool kids in Bramfontein are doing something. Let's just emulate it and put it in its place instead of consulting and having that authenticity. And I think that's why a lot of campaigns tend to struggle because they don't have that voice of somebody who's grown up that way. Having said that, how do you then sell yourselves to investors? It's, it all sounds strange, but we've actually turned down more offers than um, we've taken because 
Um, if you look at even the lay of advertising at the moment, it's owned by three conglomerates, and that's Omnicom, WPP, and Publicis. And once you, you're you part of that system, sure, you're integrated into a network of businesses worldwide, mm-hmm. and that's the story they sell. But what's important for us is autonomy and having control over what we do rather than having to tow the company line and go through all of these bureaucratic processes to do things. And I've been witness to both sides of it, working at both a small a- agency and one of the one of the big ones. Mm. And for us, it's important to have control over the voice. So if somebody approaches the company, they need to trust that we're, we know what we're doing. So you wouldn't go to a dentist and he tells you, oh, Anthony, you've got a cavity, you need a filling. And you're like, no, I think I need, I need a crown. I know better. <laughs> and that's what tends to happen with advertising is we bend to the will of, of brands. So um, the, the nice thing about having various revenue streams is that we can afford to say no mm. if something doesn't feel authentic or if they're not taking our recommendations rather than what happens in advertising where people just oh this is a hundred million rand we have to take it and then just compromise the integrity of what you're doing what other challenges have you faced in your journey so far um i think it's the same challenges that that faced me while while i was working in advertising in the creative industry and is that it's it's an all boys club and beyond that it's an all white boys club so um if you're if you're young and black and you've got a startup it's a lot harder to to get into a door and your work has to kind of bulldoze your way in and that's what's happened with us and the few clients that we have on retainer is that the content of what we do has had to speak so loudly that they couldn't ignore us anymore and people are saying well these are the guys doing X, Y, and Z. Why aren't we consulting with them or why aren't we working with them? So um, that still remains a challenge, but one that I think we're slowly overcoming by just sure tenacity and dexterity and not giving up. So it's getting people to give us the opportunities to do the actual work mm-hmm. or even just to pitch for the work, never mind um, getting a signing for it. You raise very important points that some other entrepreneurs actually face challenges with. What are your views on the current state of SMEs in South Africa? I think we have uh, we have a long way to go. I mean, I was recently uh, in London uh, doing some work for for a sneaker brand, and when I looked at how many subsidiary industries that existed there versus South Africa, and of course their 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 economies are far more developed than than ours, but they don't have to deal with as much bureaucratic red tape to get things done. So mm. to register your company and get the tax number and to do all of these processes where um, small to medium enterprises should be incentivized and assisted they don't have that opportunity. It becomes a very arduous process to register and then company tax and then this this and that. So I think um, we need more assistance from government to remove a lot of the tape that makes it hard for people to start businesses mm-hmm. and start paying taxes. Um, so I think... Yeah, hopefully, you know, um, the, the powers that be see like the, these hurdles deter people and actually crash and quell industries rather than promote them in time. But I think, yeah, it's still a big challenge in South Africa. Having mentioned some of those deterrents, would you advise anyone who would want to start their own business to do so now or rather wait? Well, I, the thing with, with, with starting anything is that there's never, there's, the sea is never calm. So there's never going to be a perfect time to start anything. The key is to begin and learn as you go um, and 
what I'd say as well, think about it like chess, is if I quit my job today and I start this business tomorrow, have I saved up enough money mm -hmm. so that I can still cover my overheads? Have I thought about a business plan? Because before I left advertising, for about three years, I was building a resume towards quitting. So to the the the, the, the normal eye, you'd look at it and think, oh, this guy just quit overnight and this business started working. It was three years in the working, cultivating relationships with uh, magazines and industry and using social media as a tool to promote myself. And at the end of the three years, when I said, okay, I've saved up enough money that even if I don't make a single dime for a year, I'm okay. And the likelihood of that happening, although a small possibility is still there, but now you don't have that pressure of having to compromise again the authenticity of what you do because you need to pay bills. You've got that cushion to, to take care of yourself. So that would be my best advice. Mm -hmm. If you see a gap in the market, go for it uh, and go for it and don't give up, but don't make uneducated leaps without mm -hmm. planning beforehand. You spoke of social media. I'd like to get your views on uh, the spike in terms of using it for marketing purposes. I think it's great. I mean, even the the advent of social media, it's not even uh, free advertising anymore. I mean, I work with influencer marketing agencies now that in my personal capacity as the expressionist or Anthony Bila, um, brands will approach me as an individual to say, we like how you took photos at that certain event could we pay you X amount so that you go to one of our events and photograph it? And if there's a brand alignment, so, uh, we make it work. But the yeah, the, the internet has really been a, a, a blessing and a curse because it's opened up industry and opportunities to young black mm -hmm. creatives where if we hadn't had the internet to promote our work and to show a different side of, of the Africa that we grew up in, it would still be up to a closed boardroom of people that kind of see it as quasi-yoko and, and, and flies and civil war and all of these things. And these are still some of the challenges, especially with um, the international agencies that I'm working with in, in the UK and the US, is that they still want kind of this myopic view of, of South Africa mm -hmm. and Africa in general. And fortunately, because of the internet, they've seen that, well, there's, there's development and there's growth in this place. So they know we don't have to pigeonhole them into this one like place that is really, really like small-minded. Lastly, where to for the expressionist and all things that fall under that brand? Um, I think it's it's an exciting, it's what a time to be alive, as Drake and Future said. <laughs> but um, I think it's, for me, developing long-term relationships with uh, a few brands rather than trying to cast the net wide. Is um, I've got a few brands that I work with now with my partners that we want to expand the relationship where we control the creative process from beginning to finish. So, so from inception, ideation, strategy, implement, implementation, um, hiring the models, it's it's really controlling that process and opening up that opportunity for other young black people to, to enter the door and, and learn. And what is also important for us is not how many people we end up hiring and working for us, it's just consulting with people. So keeping the, the company small so that we don't have to deal with bureaucratic processes, but hiring young people so that they can start their own small business. If we need a modeling agency, now we've got friends that have hired five or 10 people that we can consult with and kind of making that the revenue stream work the same way as it does in many industries that it circles the same group before it leaves, um, the same way it does with many Jewish businesses or Indian businesses that before it leaves that circle, it's circulated a couple of times and, and it's it's compound interested and it's grown, you know, there's revenue. That was Anthony Biller of The Expressionist in this week's SME Corner.